Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Exploring Family Business with Mazars. I'm your host, Natalie Wright, and on this week's episode, we're looking at sustainability and managing growth, which featured as the second highest concern for UK family business owners in our 2019 Family Business Survey. I've also included a link to the survey in the show notes. Joining me today to explore the subject are three members of the Smiths of Derby team, a 164-year-old family business based in Derbyshire. We have Bob Betts, the managing director of the business, Heather Whitworth, a director of the group and a member of the fifth generation, and Nick Whitworth, a sixth-generation family member. We also have Alan Frost, who joined me on last week's episode. Alan is the director from the Mazars Consulting Team, who specialises in working with family businesses, supporting them as they adapt and pivot their business model, focus on long-term growth. Thank you all for joining us today. So earlier this year, I was introduced to Smiths of Derby when I reviewed their submission as part of the judging panel for the National Family Business Awards. I was really impressed with how the business has managed to create a union of family and non-family members working in collaboration towards a shared vision, and how this has helped them to continue to grow and build a sustainable business which honours their values and culture. Bob, Heather and Nick, could you tell our listeners more about your business and the roles that you each have? Bob, if we can start with you first. Thanks, Natalie. Yeah, I'm Bob Betts. I'm the Managing Director of Smith of Derby Limited, and as you said, 104 years young. So it's great to be leading a successful business and a family business. Working as one team, it's great to be able to explore and discuss some of that today because we're usually just engrossed in the day-to-day operating side of the business. So it's a, it's a pleasure to be uh, exploring that with you today. And I'll hand over quickly the intro to Heather and Nick. Thanks very much. My name is Heather Whitworth. I'm fifth generation uh, family member and director of Group and Limited. I've been involved with the company since school, not always full-time but always with some kind of a presence. I don't have a fixed role within the company but in recent years I've been involved in building and place improvement, special projects and people engagement. At the moment for example we're looking at a project to protect and curate our family archives. I attend all of the senior team meetings and the board meetings and together with my brother Joe and chairman Jeremy Bowler we form a sort of communication bridge with the rest of the family while working with Bob and the senior team. I'll hand over to Jeff, Nick. Thank you. My role, I suppose, is, uh, is twofold. One as, as a member of the sixth generation and the other as um, offering film and, and media support. And in terms of the sixth generation, we, there are a number of us and our, our ages range right from about seven or eight to, to 30. So it's part of our role as that is listening and learning from those who who are involved in the in the day-to-day running but we also have kind of have had various work experience at the company over the years we're part of the social occasions and conversations around future decisions and then with the film and film and media support i kind of help out part-time when yeah, when i can with storytelling helping to communicate who we are as a company primarily through images and and audio, but looking at, at other ways as well. So, yeah, thanks. That's great. Thank you. And just to say, it really is a privilege to have all three of you with us today. And I'd like to pass on our congratulations again to you and your wider team on the three awards that you won. It, it was very well deserved. And one point that came through clearly in your application 
was how important your culture is and that this really feeds into your strategy on an ongoing basis. There was really a clear sense of commitment to that long term with a, a focus on your customers, employees, your supply chain and your local community. So, Heather, if I could come to you first, how have you concentrated on building a sustainable business, particularly in recent times? And do you feel that being a family business has given you a competitive advantage in this regard? Well, as a family company, we've, we've always set out to safeguard both, well, all three, the reputation of the company, the family and our clients. And there are times when difficult decisions have to be made in order to keep the company going for the future. But we've always tried to look ahead and make these decisions in good time. We try and be adaptable. We try and make decisions quickly if necessary. Um, for example, I don't think it was about seven or eight years ago, Bob, we sat in a meeting and we looked at the age demographic of our clockmakers and realised that within about 20 years, they were all going to fall off the cliff edge and, and we were going to be left with, with nobody. I think I'm right, Bob. And Absolutely, we, sat, yeah. we sat in that meeting and just during the meeting decided, right, we're setting up an apprenticeship programme. And we realised at the time it was going to be very expensive in money, but also in time, because you can't just turn a, a, young, a young person into a clockmaker in, in five minutes. And that has continued. I think we are we on our seventh apprentice. I think we're... Yeah, you know, seventh, it, seventh or eighth and, and looking. And that's yeah. something else as well we, we haven't stopped because it's something that we have to re renew every year now. Yeah. And another thing which Bob and I were involved in was as the lockdown... Well, lockdown hadn't happened, but we were becoming increasingly concerned about both our customers, but also our own staff. And Bob and I had a phone call and pretty much during that phone call, we sort of turned into, you know, how's it all going to actually, I think, Bob, you know, we need to shut down, didn't we? And yeah. then that was done in that quick phone call. And then Bob and the team managed to shut us down safely, looking after everybody in a matter of days. And that was actually a few days before the government made the decision. So I think it was a, a great move by Bob to get that organised for us. We try and run the business as efficiently as we possible. As we can um, continue a process we try you know we don't cut corners and we don't want to sacrifice care for our customers we continue to invest in training and technology which is incredibly important but another aspect which i think can't be forgotten is well-being of the staff which is a really important aspect of how we run the company and it always has present day life for our staff can be complicated and we try and be flexible on that front as well. We, I think we, we have a form, I don't know if you call it flexi time, but there's definitely a move to be helpful to people that work with us. Another factor is that we've always, as a family and generation, have been aware of the need to keep back something for a rainy day, an incredibly difficult thing to do in business. But there's no doubt that this has helped the company survive when we've had challenging times. I think the customers like the fact that we're a family company. They know we've survived difficult economic times and we're still here moving forward and developing while still caring for them. It's obvious, Heather, from what you've discussed there, that values are really key to, to the sustainability of the business. And, you know, you encompass that with not just the family, but all of the team. And that, that really comes through with the communication that you're obviously giving out externally and, you know, within the, the business. I think it's fair to say that one thing that we often come up against with family businesses is that sometimes that legacy and concept of tradition can often get in the way of long-term growth plans and 
that we can see that sometimes when the next generation starts to become more involved, there can be issues around what sustainability means and, and how to implement perhaps new strategies, particularly when it involves a large degree of change. Now, Alan, from your experience, how do you see family businesses focusing on sustainability? I think it's interesting. I would probably say family businesses are at either end of the spectrum. Either it's incredibly important and they can already see, you know, the next generations coming through and that is that is is, is paramount to, to their existence, or the opposite end of the spectrum, which is very much, well, I've been past this family business from you know the generation above me and my role is actually to to preserve and just keep it going and perhaps struggle to to think any further further on to, from that and i suppose coming from a family business myself and i was the fourth gen fourth and final unfortunately generation within the family business i very much saw that myself you know my father's role he felt was to um, preserve what was passed had been passed to him and we had to make some very very difficult decisions a bit like you know what, what's been said previously so focusing on that long-term future is, is so prevalent there's no way that probably the first to fifth generations of, of smiths were really thinking about you know film and media support whereas, whereas when nick came on as the as the sixth generation you know you're able to teach you know, people that have been in the business for a much longer period of time than yourself, the new ways of working, and hopefully, and I'm sure by the sounds of it, everybody was open to that sort of skill set that a younger generation can bring into the family business and, and have accepted it and benefited from it extensively. So you pick up on some really good points there, Alan, and actually having experienced it yourself, you know, you can talk about it firsthand. What challenges do you see, particularly for family businesses, when there needs to be that change of strategy or direction? You know, it's an incredibly emotional thing to have to, have to do. You know, it's, it's incredibly brave, I suppose, as well, to have taken a family business that we all know will have been, for large parts of your life, the only thing that was spoken about at home as well as in the office, to then raise the potential concept that we're not, you know, perhaps there is a better way of doing it or a different way. And we need to move away from what our parents and our grandparents and potentially our great grandparents have built for, for the current generation. It's probably one of the hardest things you could look to have to do in a family business, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, having, I think, perhaps both family and non-family members involved in that sort of decision making, I think, can be um, essential to ensure that you do critique and analyse all the different options and make a decision that is the right decision for, for the future, for the long-term future of the business, even if that means you become a very different business to perhaps what previous generations have been. Heather, picking up on the point about change, one issue that we often come up against is family businesses perhaps not wanting to make a change or, or give up control of the day-to-day -day running of the business. And from what I understand, there's been various points throughout the history of your business when it has been built on a non-family member team so that they've been in place to support and manage operations until the next generation was ready to take over. So what advice would you give to any family businesses that are maybe reticent about bringing in a non-family member on board in a, a leadership position? And what benefits do you think it's brought both to the business and your family? I think if, if anybody came to me and asked whether or not bringing a non-family member on, I, I would say definitely be open to it. You do have to choose the individual very carefully, and that individual also will have to, to look within themselves to see whether they could work well with the family, because 
there's a whole load of different dynamics that come in a boardroom meeting that, you know, I mean, there were days when Bob would have my 100-year-old granny sitting at the table asking very pertinent questions. But, you know, you'll have, you'll have to be ready for that and you have to be quite resilient, I think. But definitely with, you know, you've got, if you get the individual involved, it can take time to work well together, but it can work really well. I mean, you know, here's Bob. So, you know, it, it can really work very well. As you've said, we've had a long history of non-family involvement. When my grandfather and his brothers, their father died when they were very young, yes, they had two long-serving employees who sort of looked after the business and trained them up until they were ready to take over. We've also had a previous MD before Bob, Peter Sully, who also did a great job. Throughout of all of this, I think it is a bit, a bit like a marriage in that, you know, it can be difficult and you do come at it from different, different points of view. But as long as you keep talking and, you know, it can be really, really exciting. You know, it can bring new energy, new ways of working and, and a real fresh view on the company, which some of us might have lost. If, as you say, we're still talking about it over the cereal on a Sunday morning. We're not, we're not thinking maybe in, in different ways. Um, we also have an external chairman called Jeremy Bowler, who's known the company for years, and he does a great job of acting as a sort of bridge, sounding board, whatever you like, between Bob and family. And sometimes, not that they've been, you know, there are always slight challenges, but it's always been great to have Jeremy so that either Bob can go to him and have a bit of a chat, or just we can do the same thing. And we, we you know, we manage to work well like that. So, yes, I would say, really do think about it. It, it can be great. Picking up on that then, Bob, looking at it from the other side, what are your views on what you've been able to perhaps bring to the business or, or maybe any challenges that, that you've found? I think everyone's been on point today that, you know, you have to be brave as a family business. You have to look at all the generations, all the contributions you can bring. I do remember Betty Smith, grandma around the table. She was one of the sharpest knives in the drawer. There are no egos around that table. You have to work as one team. And if you bring in somebody externally, of course, you're bringing in wider experience from different industries, different policies, procedures, skills in customer relationship management, marketing, whatever you've, whatever you've chosen as that employee coming on board. So they've got to have a mix and you've, you've, got to be, you've got to be humble with it as well, because you've got to understand that fourth, fifth, sixth generation businesses live and breathe that business. The responsibility is enormous. We talk about family and Heather and Alan and you, Natalie, you've used the word family today. And I think there is nothing greater and longer in, in, in the human you know, psyche as family. And therefore, as you run a family, you treat every employee with respect. And you almost have to consider the customer as well, the client, the suppliers. You view everybody the same way you are generating this strength within that you can build on that and move from strength to strength and get through troubled times yes we're profitable we haven't always been yes we've been through as betty smith told me some wars which she must have been two or three wars so you know i'm sure the financial crisis and covid was a walk in the park but nick smith who brought me on board the brave side there was that I was the first MD that was not from within the company. So I was not a clockmaker. I was not an engineer. I'd been brought in more as a marketing, a sales, a relationship guy. 
because Nick wanted to get internationally. He wanted me to get on a plane and go where the cranes were still operating so that we could have a wider, safer, more broad pipeline of opportunity and breadth and depth company. Those 13 years ago, Nick had hindsight. He saw things would develop, things could change, things could impact the company. And the company itself has continued to develop both its own staff, but also its relationships with the family developed. And we have candid conversations. We have things when the family disagreed, what we want to do. And I think that's important as well, that we, we can disagree. And we can both agree to disagree or, or stop something, change something. Those relationships can only build with strength over time. You can't have somebody come in for a couple of years, move on. So I think also looking at the strength of bringing people in, there's got to be this consistency. There's got to be a loyalty. There's got to be longevity. And there's, there's got to be that consistency of what the family are looking for of what the employee coming in is looking for. I came from an environment, I've been at IBM for 20 years. That company looked at the stock price on a quarterly basis. It, it obviously told the, the market how it was doing. The operating team looked at it monthly, weekly, and if you're in the production side, daily on what was going out the door, what was being built. One of the reasons this company is 164 years young is that it looks at it, yes, we report numbers on a quarterly basis, of course we do, but the strategy looks at it on a yearly and a five-yearly and even a decade basis. I would not be here today if the family had taken a view of looking at things less than three years. I think picking up on a number of points that you mentioned there, actually, Clearly, business transformation is something that's been talked about a, a lot at the moment, Bob. And you know, we don't know the, the full effect of, of what's gone on this year, but creating those strong relationships in the business, the family, the employees, you know, the, the management team. Do you, do you think that is a, a large contribution to help leading the business and, and being stewardships for the business to get that balance for the long term but still being able to operate profitably yeah i think you use the word balance there it's that balance it's the balance of being able to run the operating side of the business take decisions that i know i can take that i know i don't have to ask about that i know what the answer would be if i asked then you have to balance it with the points that, that the questions you have to take that are either pretty expensive or if you get them wrong very expensive and of course the family is integrated into the operating side of the business where we're looking at sustainability environmental uh, investment boilers lighting systems and so on but when it comes to letting people go recruitment development of people pats on the back the odd realignment conversation let's say operating wise you have to have the trust ultimately the approval just to get on with it you don't have the time to go around and 
I think that's a really fair point. And actually that, that reactive point that you mentioned. So w one thing that we do see some businesses doing, which as a short term measure, which perhaps is possibly a mistake for future proofing it, is cutting back on staff training, you know, delaying expansion in, in the short term for, you know, that, that positive result right now, but without truly understanding what the impact on the business is longer term and having that reactive mode moving over to you alan what what advice do you have for any family businesses who are struggling to see be, beyond the here and now and really can't see see where the future lies it is hard to perhaps see past the end of of this year or this this pandemic in particular at the moment and undoubtedly having a, a forecast or a budget for the next year, a plan for the next five years, or in the case of Smiths, you know, a plan for the next decade is um, is fantastic, even if they have to be rewritten on an annual basis. But that investment in people in particular, you know, it's, I think is, is the most prevalent, you know, and, the, mo and, and the, the strongest. And I'm sure if we spoke to all the different generations of the Smiths of Derby business, you know, they will all have different stories around how you've invested in people. And there'll be people that undoubtedly in that business that have been there since, you know, since they were young boys or girls and, you know, grown up with the, with the company. That said, you know, it is incredibly difficult, particularly for family members when they come to have to make decisions about perhaps cutting back on people that, you know, they, there'll be people that they almost feel like as a part of the family, even though, they, they, you know, they, they, they don't share the, the same surname or blood. And in actual fact, we worked with a, a business not long ago whereby the, um, the MD, who is a family member, has had to let go a number of members of staff who he remembers walking into the yard and, and seeing when he was a little boy. You know, he's then had to unfortunately end the, the, the role within the firm. An incredibly difficult thing to do, but the right thing, unfortunately, for the business and the long-term business for him to be able to pass it on to future, to future generations. But that investment in people, more so in a family business than anywhere else, I think is absolutely key. You know, you'll see a, a loyalty in family businesses that I don't think you'll see in corporate businesses. Um, I know Bob spent 20 years at I, IBM and that, you know, which is a fantastic stint, but I think you will see that that type of experience and, and, and longevity and loyalty in family business more so than, than anywhere else. And that doesn't just create a job for life sort of attitude. It really improves the, the culture the working environments, I think, to attract new people into the into organisations. But it's also a clear message that people are important, families important, as you know, from an ownership perspective. But then also people and investing in those people from the training, the development, and improving their skills set, both technical skills and softer skills, is important to the family, and that's you know incredibly rewarding. I think as a if I was an employee in a in a family business. Heather, investing in training, that, that's something the business has always been committed to, isn't it? Can you tell us a bit more about why the apprenticeship programme was so important to the development and growth of the business? Our clockmakers are incredibly skilled people, as are the, the people that support them back at the workshop, the whole team. But we, the meeting that I was talking about earlier, we, we sat there and we realised that you know, if we're looking ahead at the company and the next generation, when if these clockmakers finish and, and we haven't managed to train the new the new set of, of, of skills no one else in the country was really doing it. And, it, and it's an industry you, we can't we don't we can't let that die and so it was it was important on a, on, a, on many different levels but also as the apprentices I think I don't know if Bob will agree with this as the apprentices started to come through 
it had an effect on the other clock makers as well. I think I kind of rejuvenated them a bit and and made them made them interested again. And and yes, the young bring in new skills. They're not frightened of the new technology. They'll show somebody else who might be more mature and not so used to it. You know how to how to do it. And also, I think it just made for a new energy again. And and it's been really really fantastic. And of course. It's been wonderful to share that with our clients and other customers. And I think they enjoy the story as well. So it's been really great. I mean, it does come with cost. It does come with, with time. I was in a couple of weeks ago and, and one of our chaps, who's very knowledgeable, was literally, we had a, a young clockmaker learning on the phone, trying to do um, stopper responses. And Tony was having to turn to him every five minutes to give him a bit of advice. But, you know, that advice is going in. And really really important for, for the long term of the company so yes it's been a fantastic move yeah we have a uh, the apprentices you can imagine there isn't something you know off the shelf for a clockmaker apprentice so we've had to work with third parties and training providers and probably more than most businesses we've had to look at it ourselves and say it isn't out there so we've got to build our own training facility so we've probably got what we think is the world's only turret clock training facility, which is purpose-built here at the work. We have a buddying program that the guys not only go to college, not only go to our training room here that we that we purposely built, but they, they buddy up outside, as Heather said, with the, the older crew. And of course, that, that did breathe new life into them because the guys have responded brilliantly and they want the younger lads with them they get a kick out of passing on knowledge on know-how and with something that isn't black and white clock making is a is a fear that they have to buddy up you cannot learn it in the training room alone or in a workshop or on a lathe they, they've got to listen they've got to watch what the clock maker does and they've got to learn from from you know wearing the boots and up in the tower so it's an incredible job and, and one that, like Heather says, who else can do it? You know, so we're very proud of that. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm sure that's how Tony learns as well, however many years oh, ago. You know, someone, someone moved, turning to him every five minutes thinking, I'll tell you how to do this and how to do this. So, yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, it, it is clear that that investment in training, in developing skills, in knowledge sharing, skill sharing, that, that's vital for the continued sustainability of the business. So looking at the, the longer term, let's move on to the thoughts of the next generation. And Nick, you're, you're a member of the sixth generation or, or G6, as I think you're more fondly referred to. I understand that, that you're bringing in a new dimension to the business now. So can you tell me more about the skills you think you and, and maybe other G6 members are bringing that will help the business kind of focus on sustainability? Well, I've had the, the word responsibility kind of crop up time and time again. And yeah, there is, yeah, that does feel as a sixth generation member as though there is some responsibility for, for what might come next. In terms of what we, as that generation are, are offering, I think, I suppose, on a, on a, on a practical front, we, there are, you know, there are a few of us with our, with our own careers. And that's, that is something where we're able to bring in knowledge from, from where, where we are at in, in a number of different industries. And while we're not necessarily involved full time with the business, we are, we are involved in lots of conversations and we, 
you know, we try and meet along to monthly meetings when we can and, 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 and ask questions and listen. And so, and so what you have is you have young people and I suppose you're talking under 30. And by their nature, but being young, you are looking to the future. You know, you know, you're thinking kind of longer term to that. And so we're, part of what we're able to offer is questions. But I suppose personally, I've been, yeah, I've been my kind of my, my background or at least my current main career is in, is in media production and, and documentaries and, and how we can communicate stories. Yeah, lots and lots of companies, family companies, however big or small are, are learning that to, to tell this story of, of who you are and how you've got to, to be where you are and is, is, is important. And then combining that with the fact that photography, image, you know, uh, you know, podcasts like this, these are, these are wonderful avenues to, to connect and educate and um, cooperate with others. And so, yeah, there are conversations and I think, yeah, well, there's, there are a number of, you know, there are seven or eight of us of the young, you know, in varying ages in our, in our kind of twenties and some have got some finance skills and some have got some design skills and, and some math skills and, and, the, and a company is made up of many, of many inputs. Sounds like you've got a really good collection of, of new skills coming through the business as well. And I know when we talk about innovation, people often think just about technology. And actually, that it was interesting picking up on the points. And, and you mentioned it before, Alan, about media and, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, who would have known that you'd be bringing media skills now to help the business think about innovation and future proofing it? So I think it is really interesting to see that new skill set of G6, how they might change and pivot the business going forward, while still being aware of the fact it, it is still quite a traditional industry that you're operating in and that, you know, you've, you mentioned it, Heather, that, that you want to protect for the longer term. You don't mind me asking, Nick, have you ever felt any pressure to move into the family business or, or if you felt that it's a natural <laughs> transition? And sorry to put you on the spot with, you know. No, no. I think that is a relevant question and, and you know, referencing what Alan was saying earlier about that, it can, it can be really, you know, I imagine it can be a really difficult thing, particularly maybe in the early stages of, a, of, of generations, that first or second generation, where there aren't so many potential contributors. You know, you might be an only child or there might be just a couple of siblings. And so I can't speak from that regard and I don't know quite what it was like for my you know, great-great-grandfather and that, those, when it has been or even my grandfather, actually, when he, he, had, he was faced with the responsibility of, you know, it was on his shoulders, whether this was going, you know, mm. was he going to commit to this company when he had, in fact, you know, I think he'd had a strong plan to go and pursue an accountancy career in Canada. Mm. And he kind of, he returned to the, to the company. And so I, I really, I'm, you know, very, I, I'm becoming more and more appreciative of that move that he did because he didn't just do it for himself, but he did it for, for the for the those who are part of the company right across it, have I felt pressure myself? I, I haven't. Uh, I think, and I've been given the freedom to, and we all we all have to pursue our own careers and and our own passions. And I'd say that that's that's an advantage. But what is great about the setup we've got is that there is an opportunity to be involved, you know, to show interest to, and so. That's a fortunate position to be in, to have that kind of, to some degree, an opt-in, opt-out. But, but I must say that, from a, well, that I myself have found, I'm 28 now, but 
it's only maybe in the last four or five years that I've really come to gain a greater appreciation of, of the family company. And so maybe when you're 12, 13, and you know, and it doesn't seem special because you've always just heard about it. And it's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's you, you know, you, you pop into the works and you speak with others and, you know, grandpa talks about it with, with granny. And, but I suppose having worked for a few small companies myself in a, in a separate regard, a couple of which have been family companies, I've seen some of the things they've done well and some of the things they've not done so well. And that's given me a really good, well, it's given me an appreciation of what a great thing we've done. I think what, one great thing we've done, I partic- you know, and it shows in hard times, is Bob and the, and the senior management team and have been really great about communicating with the staff about what's, what's going on. Because often there can be maybe this mismatch between management and employee. And so you have to communicate them and say, this is what, you know, this is what we're responding to. This is what we're planning for. And, and to have that kind of sense of community and conversation is, is, is really valuable. I mean, going through hard times, it's, nothing's probably been harder than 2020 but for most family businesses. From your perspective, probably more so Heather and Nick, you know, transitioning gradually from G5 to G6, do you think this year has perhaps given G6 a, a different perspective of where they might see the future of the business or, or their role in it? Or, you know, Heather, do you think you're needing to kind of maybe have a bit more of a stewardship to help them think about the challenges that, that might lie ahead? This may seem like a strange answer, but we haven't actually, although we've talked about the personal situations, immediate personal situations, I don't think there's been, and who knows, if, are we mad? We've, there's not been a fear that the company won't make it. I mean, there's not been a discussion of us not moving forward. I think, you know, I, I think the family have got great faith in, in the senior team and seeing how they have dealt with COVID, I've said the word, um, and I think we're on COVID number 12 newsletter, are we, Bob? I don't know, I can't remember. 13, there you go. So there's been lots of information coming around. I think they feel, and they have friends who have worked for companies who there is just no communication, no, they're just less, uh, that I feel that there's there's not maybe the fear or the anxiety about the future that, that, that there might have been. I think we're not they are not probably looking forward too much on that on that point really but but i'm you know i've got great confidence that that we're you know things are being the senior team are really dealing with things well so i yes i don't think i don't think we've really had that conversation but i'd be surprised if it's really really worrying them and nick to you then do you have any advice to offer to the to the next generation of other family businesses who who are now thinking about entering the business and you know responsibility that lies ahead I know you're not fully in the business at the moment. You, you've still got another role, but you're obviously transitioning. And you mentioned that, you know, being involved in the business for quite some years. Is there anything that maybe you wish you'd have spoken with, with your parents about, pre, you know, at an earlier stage or any other advice that you could give to that next generation? What helps you make a decision about your own involvement? And you do, I mean, I'm not at this stage yet, but I'm envisaging it, is that if you are going to take some form of, commitment and leadership to the family company it needs to be found from kind of it needs to be coming from your own strong desire to be to be a part of it you know you do need to have an authentic desire and interest and longing to for its success and so you shouldn't meet yourself up over the head you don't have that you know i think 
to have that enthusiasm. Okay, that's one thing, but how do you get that? You get that by in part sometimes doing a bit of work away from the family company. So I'm, you know, I'm not you know, advocating for people to leave family company, but if you can do, if you're already working within it, then to, to gain some understanding of what it might be like to work for another company could be a good, good reference point. But also if you're not on the other side, if you're not working full time within the family company, are you in some small sense learning a bit more about what is good about it? Are there some of those who've worked there for a while that you could talk to, maybe that aren't family members? That you know can give you a different perspective. Can you go out and speak to some of the customers that that, that your family business has served? What do they think about you know? I, I don't know if you're in if you're in food. Are people you know if people are raging about food you can offer, and and you you might not be fully aware of that. You haven't yet spoken to those who are who are sampling it, or and so if there are ways that you can learn directly or indirectly about the positives of your company that can help inform your own judgment and don't and don't rule it out too early as well mm. just because you're not absolutely desperate to be there monday to friday right now doesn't mean that in five years time you might not so so having a kind of openness and if you are in a position to get others in to help you if you don't feel like you know, direct involvement, that's a great thing, but there are many, there are many challenges. I'm not trying to make this sound like it's, it's an easy thing. And yeah, we're, we're always working it out. That's You've got to get good. through the interview anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Nick. It's never easy when another member of the family is with you as well. <laughs> thank you. I'd like to say thank you again to you all. It, it has been really interesting to learn more about the business and actually the different dynamics, having the three of you here taking part in this. And, you know, as the business does transition over to that sixth generation, you're all clearly very proud of the business and the heritage and the legacy, and quite rightly so. But you are very much focused on evolution and innovation. And, and that's really great to see, especially in such a, a traditionally kind of focused business. Where can people find out more about the business and you know the projects that you're working on? Because I, I did have um, a peek at some of them that you've been involved in recently. Yeah, we've got we've got a great website, Natalie. Uh, you know, smithofderby.com, and uh, we're we're pretty uh, active on Twitter and so on. So please visit that website, have a good look around, and if any budding clockmakers or apprentices out there, sons, daughters, of mums and dads, you know. Point them our way. We're always uh, always lovely to talk to everybody who may have a passion in horology. That's great. Thanks, Bob. And we really look forward to seeing what comes next for the business. So thank you all again for joining us. That brings the fourth episode of the Exploring Family Business podcast with Mazars to a close. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to the series and leave a review on iTunes. It will help us to extend our reach to the family business community so we can continue to share our knowledge and that of our guests. If you want to know more about anything that we've discussed today, or if you have any specific topics in mind that you would like us to cover in future episodes, I've detailed links in the show notes to our guests, along with our contact details. Join us next week when we'll be interviewing Lou Franklin, Managing Director and Co-Owner of Mansfield Pollard, an award-winning manufacturing business based in Bradford. Lou took over the management and ownership of the business in February this year, along with her business partner, Brian Bentley, just one month before the UK went into lockdown. 
Lou will share with us her experience of buying a 150-year-old established family business, the challenges she has faced this year, and how her experience in previous businesses has helped her to focus on growth. I look forward to sharing more with you then, but for now, thank you for listening. This year, Financial Planning Week runs from the 5th to the 11th of October. This is a national initiative to raise awareness of the importance of financial planning. If you'd like to book a free initial consultation to review your personal finances, whether it's to discuss your retirement plans, savings and investments, optimising tax efficiency, or simply to get some peace of mind about your family's financial security, please email contact at mazars.co.uk.